Well, we are back. That's right. Uh, the tipping machines are back, and I'm speaking about these two blokes. All thanks to Palmer Bet. It is Bolton in, and Shane Anderson and Adam McGraw say a very good evening and morning. It's kind of, uh, you know, one's in Vegas, one's in Copenhagen. I'll go to you first, Shane. It's morning for you. How are you, buddy? Matty, really well. Good to be back with you. Uh, hello to everyone. And Adam, great to be back with you as well. Yeah, haven't we had a really, really good start to the carnival thus far? I know we're going to talk about it in more detail, but I'm pretty excited about the weeks and, and months ahead for this show, and hopefully we can find plenty of winners. Yeah, some great Group 1 racing uh, coming up. It's uh, really, really exciting, and some great horses going around as well. Adam McGrath, you're in Vegas, mate. Bit of NRL action happening this Sunday. Pretty exciting <laughs> for you, and you're a Rabbits man too. Yeah, I'm very glad that Shane does the AM and I do the PM. I don't know if I'd be getting up early and looking as fresh as he does. But uh, as you mentioned, yeah, NRL in town this weekend. Very excited to go see my bunnies in Vegas. Didn't think that would ever uh, happen in my lifetime, but it's going to be an exciting weekend. And, yeah, there's plenty of people already coming across. I've heard a few Aussies in town. So looking forward to that. And hopefully we can find some winners here that they can follow in. Yeah, give me a great weekend of racing this weekend, of course, uh, Flemington Randwick. Uh, it is going to be sensational. But let's have a look back and recap. Mr. Brightside, one of our favourite horses here on Bolton Inn, and uh, just keeps progressing, this horse. He's, he's just an out-and-out superstar, and his first uh, couple of wins, his preparation, have been nothing sort of exceptional for mine, boys. I'll start with you, Shane. What a what a tone. And is there a better 1,600-metre horse in the world? I know we've said this before, but do you think there is a better 1,600-metre horse in the world? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think he's up there. I wouldn't say he's the best. I yeah. think he's wonderfully consistent. Uh, Adam and I, we've had plenty of laughs both on camera and off camera about our ability to actually get him beat uh, whenever we, we tip him. But you, you touched on a good point. I mean, in his level of consistency in these big races, if he's not winning, he's getting beat narrowly. He's just one of those old school horses that you have to fall in love with. He's got a great name. He's taken his owners and connections all attached to Lindsay Park on this fantastic journey. And he looks to my eye that as a six-year-old, fully mature six-year-old gelding, He's not going backwards, so we've probably got another good 12 months ahead of him uh, with him still maintaining that level of consistency and and ability to, to perform in these big elite races. His wins in the CFR and the Futurity Stakes, taking that double, have been sensational. He heads off now to, what, the All-Star Mile. He's heading probably to try and win a Doncaster for the third time where he's got top weight of 59 kilos. Great horse, grand horse, so popular. And, yeah, it was good to see him win uh, last weekend at Caulfield. It was a terrific performance coming from off the speed and doing it well. Ads? Yeah, I think Shane uh, summarised it perfectly. I think the thing with Mr Brightside is you just know what you're going to get every single start. Now, obviously, his standard level and benchmark is a lot higher than most, but you have to put in something pretty exceptional if you're going to get him beat. We don't really turn around and go, oh, it was an off day for Mr Brightside. I can't remember saying that. So you just know what he's going to produce every time, and there might be a day where one horse is able to put in this exceptional run or get all the favours and beat him. But as a benchmark goes, he's just so consistent and he shows up every single race. We had J.D. Hayes on last weekend, boys, and I asked uh, what kind of a horse he is. He said he's a real cruiser. He said, to be honest, he said he's white line fever. So when he gets to the races, he said it's like it, he fires him up, you know, like he said, but his track work, nothing exceptional, just kind of gets the job done and, and goes through the motions. But you get him to the to the race on race day and, and that competitiveness and the competitive juices um, flow. So it's uh, – yeah, it's interesting. Hey, listen, one of the other really impressive victories, and this is a great story, Clint McDonald, Jamie Carr combining great 
photo doing the rounds in the Manning yard. You know, Jamie was up and about, and uh, and as she should be, she's had a lot of spotlight and a lot of attention on her in the last six to twelve months as well. But hey, Sugi, at fifteen bucks, uh, the salutes in the blue diamond, uh, cracking winner Adam McGrath, and somewhat like the price was ridiculous for for the runs this horse had kind of put in preparation. To be honest. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I guess a lot of it had the hype. I mean, even her Jamie Carr post-race, she said, I didn't think Ben Mellums could get beat. Obviously, they know each other very well. They would have discussed it, and she got the ride because Ben Mellum went the other way. And, you know, maybe that added to it just because of the talk that was in the public. But as you said, I mean, this horse has done nothing wrong, this preparation, three from three now. And, I mean, 150 metres out, 200 metres out, this horse was not going to win. It was tough. She showed that turn of foot. There was determination. There's a lot to like from a filly that's able to portray this early on in the career. So, she ticked all the boxes. She looks like she can get further again. And, yeah, just to finish off that strongly, the way that Caulfield was playing at that time of the day as well, I thought it was an exceptional win. I reckon against the pattern too, Shane. That's the, that's the big thing because they weren't making a lot of ground. And, uh, you know, she just went wooshka and uh, she's got a bright future. She really does. Um, and I think that point that you raised there about, you know, going against the pattern of the day to a degree was was a really big tick for mine. Um, and she's also been able to do something that not many horses are able to do, and that is win the three races of the Blue Diamond series, you know, the preview, the prelude, and then the big one itself. Yeah. She's got this amazing big finale on her. She showed promise in the spring, you know, her two runs then, but she looks like she's come back fully furnished, really exciting. And she goes to Sydney, she's surely going to measure up. I'm working on the theory that, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott's two-year-olds are the benchmark runners. Yep. You know, I think in every race that they've got a two-year-old runner, they're either winning or just getting knocked off. Lady of Camelot ran extraordinarily well, I thought, uh, up on speed, fighting on strongly. But Hayasugi, Jamie Carr, time to perfection over the top of them. And I'm really, really pleased for Clinton McDonald. I've known Clinton for quite some time. Ripping guy, uh, an amazing family legacy now, three generations of of his family to have won the Blue Diamond. So uh, no doubt he'll still be celebrating as they head towards the, the big English sales this weekend. <laughs> he wouldn't have stopped, I don't reckon, and uh, neither should he. Hey, Q-Man, great story here. Uh, Harry Coffey, second group one. Uh, he is officially low-flying. Uh, an absolute legend is Harry, and uh, no one more deserves it better. And uh, isn't it good to see him going so well, guys? Yeah, it is. I think the, the key bit as well, I mean, you don't want to say it early and you're biased at the timing, but I mean, this is going to be close to the story of, this, of the, the carnival already. I mean, we, we cheer for Harry Coffey every single time he does it. I was fortunate enough to interview him the day that he won that first group one over in Adelaide. But then you add in Shane Oxlade into the story again, someone who I got to meet yeah. and know very well in Adelaide. And He's just a, an absolute horseman. He's a gentleman. He'll call himself a battler. And, you know, he doesn't have many uh, gr Group 1 horses going around. But when he does take them to Melbourne, you always have to take note. And I thought his other horse was the, probably the run of the race. I know he won it, but the other one was almost better after missing the kick as well. So to have two horses go in that race, arguably they both had have got fair starts. They probably run one, two. Pretty exceptional performance. Couldn't happen to two better people or families. So, I was uh, I walked away from the weekend thing, and that was the story to beat. And good luck to anybody that's able to. Jane, your thoughts, yeah. mate? Yeah, good point, Adam. In fact, you just gave me flashback because uh, you and I worked together the day Harry won his, yeah. uh, his <laughs> first group one over in Adelaide. Um, yeah, fantastic guy. He's, he's one of the great stories of racing, and one of the most likable people in the sport. Good man, what a, a career progression. I mean, go back to the spring. I think he was running in and winning sort of benchmark races and now he's become a legitimate uh, feature sprint performer and i think there's probably more to come the one thing i'm taking away from last weekend at caulfield uh, and i don't want to be hypercritical um i think it was more about 
a day for great stories, perhaps over great racing. There's some. I, I still need to deep dive some of the form around it to work out how I think it will play out. Mr. Brightside, terrific again. Look, we know what he is, so he's, his benchmark level is going to continue on. But I still want to look at some of those other races. I mean, I think the Blue Diamond, there was less than four lengths, first to 13th. Um, so often when you see a bunch finish like that, it could you can pick holes in the form a little bit. Oakley Plate dominated by those two on speed. They fought the race out, you know, running pretty quick time overall. But I just want to go into the form lines a little bit more. But I love the day of racing. It was exciting racing. Um, but how deep that form might progress, I'm still, I've got a couple of question marks. Yeah, good point you make. That is for sure. Hey, listen, let's move along and have a look at uh, the first of our group ones this weekend. It is the Australian Guineas at Flemington Race Aid over the 1,600 metres. And the Palmer Vet Market, Riff Rocket, so impressive. First up at $2.20. King Colorado at 7 bucks. V8 at $7.50. Snow Patrol at $12. Southport Tycoon, $16. Otago at 17 Zipaway, 21 And Verdad at $21. Uh, I'm going to come back to you, Shane Anderson, first and foremost. Uh, Interesting race, this one. I was at uh, Flemington when Riff Rocket destroyed them first up, and uh, my man, the Gypsy King, was all over this uh, from the mounting yard, 8.50 into about 6.50, I think, and he did say whatever this horse does, it'll improve on second up. Are you in the Riff Rocket uh, uh, corner here, Shane? I, I like him a lot. I just can't tip him because I'm allergic to the price. Uh, mm. I think... His first up run was quite outstanding, as you, you touch on. Um, he looked enormous. He did the job well. And I think the fact that Waller is not running militarised at the Australian Guineas and Riff Rocket is his number one hope for the race suggests that the horse is low-flying. Like, I like him a lot. Great to see a derby when he come back and show something over shorter trips. I've got the race sort of down to five principal chances. There's Riff, Riff Rocket, my old mate King Colorado, who was great against uh, Riff Rocket in that run. V8, Quintessa and the Pendrag and the two Kiwis coming into the race. I'm going back to some old school theories a little bit here. My dad, when I was learning about racing, used to always talk about these three-year-olds that run really well against the older horses, particularly in weight for age races. Kind of my eye keeps coming back to that. V8 winning the Australia Stakes first up, weight for age at the Valley, 1,200 metres. He then went and took on Mr Brightside in the CA4 Stakes. I don't think he was disgraced there. Uh, he battled on well. He finished fourth. Those two tough runs against the older horses, I think, will have him cherry ripe. You and I have spoken sort of off camera, Matty, about perhaps he's a bit of a question mark at 1,600 metres, but I thought he did well in the spring in the guineas there. I just keep coming back to him. So from a price differential, when you've got Riff Rocket pretty short, V8 at around $7.50, I'm happy to be with V8 in the race at the each way. Um, so I'm putting him down as my best. And the value bet, I was tossing and turning between Quintessa and the Pendragon after the draws with the Pendragon drawing wide. I was shipping back to the, the Philly, um, Quintessa. She is high class. Um, you know, she won a Group 1 three-year-old race, the Levin Classic, which is often a, a really reliable form reference um, for Australia. Uh, two starts ago, um, she took on the older horses last start at, at Wait for Age, Group 1 level, and she ran really well. So, again, that sort of V8 um, form line that I... Touched on three-year-olds running really well against the older established horses in those weight for age races is kind of where my eye is going. So if you like Riff Rocket, I think you're going to get a great run for your money. But for mine, he's just a little bit too short for, for me to want to back him. So I'm going with V8 to win. I've got Quintessa as the value bet, but I think it's going to be a fantastic race again. I'm really looking forward to it. Ads, what are your thoughts, mate? 
Yeah, I found this race tough because V8 and King Colorado are probably my two favourite horses in this aid bracket in the country from what they did last time. But I couldn't go against Riff Rocket. I went back, watched all of its replays, watched again that first up run. And for mine, it just ticked all the boxes and said, back me again. King Colorado had every chance to keep it in, had every chance outside of it. Riff Rocket was pulling away in that last sort of 50 metres. It was just going to continue pulling away. So for mine, going up to 1,600 metres, a big positive. The return was very good. It was just better than them, simple as that. It's won three from four at the track. The only question mark potentially is second up, and we do see that with Stayers, and his second up record isn't great. Two starts for just the one second. That's probably the only glimpse on his record, actually, when you do have a look at it. So whether he does have that little, uh, you know, fresh Stayer spurt at the start and then have a little drop-off, but I just thought he came back better than I've seen. So Riff Rock will be on top for me. I thought the value bet came from the same race in the Cap Ferrat. Now, I know this horse is a maiden after 10 starts, but... Ran the second fastest eight to six, four to two, and the third fastest to 200 to finish in that race. Extra distance again, ticks the boxes, gets barrier two, so you can just get behind them and get a nice run. So you're going to get nice prices about a maiden in this race, and I could see it certainly finishing in the top four. Yeah, beautifully done. Well, I'm sticking with Riff Rocket too, uh, and I'll stick with the Gypsy King. He did say, whatever happens, second up, be even better. So uh, I'm going to stick with that and uh, hoping that a little bit of that crisp wall of polish comes off. But you're right, it is very, very short uh, in a pretty hot race. And my value, boys, I'm going with uh, Southport Tycoon, Kiramar David Eustace. Barrier 4, I just thought might get an easy, nice little suck running behind and has got the services of Jay Carr. So, uh, yeah, we need a Jamie Carr special to, uh, to kind of produce at the right time. I know the stable has got a bit of an opinion of this horse, so Southport Tycoon might be one to uh, follow. Let's move along to the surround stakes now up at Ramwick. It is race number eight, over the 1,400 metres and the Palmer Bet Market learning to fly is our favourite at $2.80. Komochi at $6.50. Tiz Invincible at $6.50. Macarena at $7. Tropical Squall first up at 11 bucks. Roll on high $17. Cristilli at $18 and Arctic Glamour at $18 as well. That is the market crying race again. Adam McGrath, I'm going to come back to you, mate, uh, and get your thoughts here. Are you with the top? Well, not the top, mate. Learning to fly, our favourite here. Well, thanks to Palmer Bet, who's short enough. I am with Learning to Fly. Nervous a little bit about taking it, but I'm sort of going to give it the benefit of the doubt and say it was a really good run for a horse that had 11 months off. And I'm going in the camp that this horse peaked and is only going to improve. There might be others that go the other way with it. But for mine, as I said, I thought for 11 months off, going into this uh, Group 2 light finger, I thought it was a pretty good performance. And um, first uh, is one from one when second up, which is another bonus. I thought, as I said, just peak late. Had the fastest 800 to 600, had the fastest 400 to 200, and then just showed that little bit of fatigue for a first up run. So for mine, got it out, thought it was good enough, dusted off the cobwebs, comes out and be very, very hard to beat here from a good draw as well. So I will stick with learning to fly. My value bet in this race is Arctic Glamour. I thought it was a, a really good performance. Again, ran the fastest last 200 metres in the line finger. Second up has a very good record, two starts for a win in a second. Listed winner last preparation, fifth in the uh, Group 1,000 guineas. Uh, one from one at the track and distance. Just ticks a lot of boxes. And for mine, that last 200 just said, be, be on me next start. So again, at a nice price, I think you said $18 there, Maddie. I think uh, Arctic Glamour is a very nice each way odds going into this race. Beautifully done. Shano, your thoughts, mate? Yeah, really excited by this race. I like this group of three-year-old fillies, and I don't think there's a hell of a lot between them all. Um, Price-wise, I think the market's wrong. Um, I think Macarena at $7 is a fantastic bet in this, particularly each way. Uh, T-Hawks trained filly. She was really good in a limited campaign during the spring, um, winning the uh, the uh, the tap 
Sprague race, uh, named in honour of two great race callers from, from Sydney. And then I thought she had trialled super well leading up to her first up run when she took on the boys in the Eskimo uh, Prince. And she battled on really well to finish runner-up on that occasion. Now, I don't mind her drawn out wide. I think she's got enough speed to put herself into the race and just sort of build a bit of momentum, come across and probably be up outside the lead or at least in the first four in the run. And from there, I think she's extremely dangerous. We know uh, Team Hawks can get great results when they're targeting these big Group 1 races. So Macarena at $7 really appeals. And the value bet, again, I think the price is wrong on Tropical Squall. I thought she'd be single digits. And, Maddie, you just said she's $11 with our friends at Palmer Bet. That did, that's exciting up. me. Yeah, two from two. First. Fantastic first up. Yep. Summed it up beautifully. She's drawn well. She's a really classy filly. The only time she underperformed during the spring was in the Oaks. At the end of a pretty busy campaign went stretched out to a trip. So from a good barrier, she's trialled well. She probably gets a gun run in the race. I think she's a really dangerous tropical school. And at $11, again, appeals. So I'll be backing both. But I'm putting Macarena as my best at $7. A tropical school, my value at $11. But as I touched on, really good group of fillies. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's going to be a beauty. And I'm with you with tropical school, my best uh, ruffy, uh, or my, my uh, best value in the race. For mine, I just think, yeah, two from two first up. Gay Waterhouse, the stable is absolutely flying at the moment. And, uh, yeah, she's going to be in it for a long, long way. But I, my best on-top selection here is a horse called Tiz Invincible. I just thought, interesting, J-Mac went this way. You know, you would have thought he would have had the choices uh, from the Waller stable. Um, but I, I just... I thought she'd done enough first up, um, kind of hit the line nicely. Uh, two second up runs for a win in a second. Uh, one for one at the distance. Two wins from five at the track. I reckon uh, Cherry Ripe for this, and uh, I reckon Tiz Invincible is over the odds at 6.50. So uh, more than happy to play around uh, this, and we know how good Kieran Ma is at uh, aiming these horses for Group 1 races as well. So, uh, yeah, it is going to be an absolute belter. Let's move along now to the third of our Group 1's very elegant stakes. And what a horse she was, the very elegant. She was an absolute superstar. Uh, unbelievable. And uh, always good to, uh, to remember the champs of the game. And uh, she was certainly one of them. Over the 1,600 metres. And uh, we spoke about the best 1,600-metre horse in the lead. I reckon this horse might be uh, right up there as well. Could not have been any more impressive. And is our favourite fangirl at $1.30. Think it over at nine bucks. Just find $9. Buckaroo, $16. Linderman at 17 Cascadia, 19 And the tissue at 19 And we all have a fangirl here. She was devastating first up, wasn't she? She was. Uh, look, I don't want to be critical of our friends at Palmer Bet. Great group of people. But $1.30, <laughs> come on, give us something. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> look forward to our new co-host next week, Maddie. It'll be interesting to see who they get. <laughs> no, but look, let's 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 be let's be fair. She's a, an outstanding bear, worthy favourite. A dollar thirty though for a mare that has been beaten at her past three second up runs all over the course of distance. Just give us a dollar fifty. Give us a dollar sixty. A dollar thirty is pretty tight for me. But look, she looked outstanding with a first up run in the Apollo Stakes. Uh, back off the pace. Coming to the outside, she just hooned over the top of her rivals to win running away, pretty soft. Um, but the thing about it, there were a few runs in behind that didn't get the clearest of passages. So while Fangirl was right down the centre of the course unleashing and having this unimpeded run, there were quite a few back in the ruck that didn't quite get that clear galloping room, uh, including Buckaroo, who I'll talk about shortly. So, look, she's a worthy favourite. 
I think she's the most likely winner, but at $1.30, I'm, I'm just not interested in that price. So I won't be backing her as much as I think she's the horse to beat. The one I am backing is Buckaroo, $16. Got a lot of time for this horse. I spoke about him during the spring carnival. Um, we only saw him on two occasions in Australia during the spring. He ran well, I thought, first up in the King Charles behind Fangirl. He then went to the Champion Stakes 2,000 metres at Flemington again, ran really well. He had some very, very strong pieces of form in Europe when trained by Joseph O'Brien in that 1,600 to 2,000-metre distance range. Um, I thought his first up run behind Fangirl in the Apollo Stakes was terrific. He was back with her in the run, whereas she got a clear, unimpeded run down the home straight. He was kind of getting to the outside. Last 200 metres of the race was outstanding. And that's the first time he's run in a race below 1,600 metres. So I think... Natural improvement fitness-wise, we often see Waller horses, particularly the imports, improve considerably after a first-up hit-out with him. I think he's pretty dangerous. Uh, he's a horse also for the Doncaster at 53 kilos if Waller chooses to go in that direction. I think probably want to be having something on him in markets now because um, I like him a lot. But, yeah, best bet, for want of a better term, uh, very elegant. She's clearly the one to beat. But the one I'm most keen on in the race to bet is Buckaroo. So I'm happy to be with him as a value bet, $16 each way. Um, yeah, looking forward to the race, though. Going to be a beauty, Ads. Going to be a very good race. Uh, no, I do agree with Shane. I won't question the Palmer bet price getters. I like to uh, keep this podcast going. But, uh, no, I do agree <laughs> with Shane. Look, uh, best bet, Fangill is it, but no way in the world at $1.30. And to be honest, no way at $1.50 either. So it, I think it's the likely horse to win the race, but it won't be getting my money. And it's because of the exact reason that Shane said. I think there's a couple to keep your eye on. And I think I shared my love and made it quite obvious for Cascadian last preparation. And I'll be going that same way again this race. I thought this first up run was huge. Now, obviously, it got held up. So the question mark is what would have it done? But looking at the Cascadian previous preparations, I think this horse was about to explode. And we only have to go back to last preparation. Won the Group 1 Australian Cup, second in the All-Star Mile, third in the Group 1 All-Age, gets the extra 200 metres, did run the second fastest 6-4 to four, and then third fastest 4-2 to two, while just trucking up behind them in that first up run. So for mine at the price, uh, I'll be backing Cascadian to place pretty heavily and then just a little bit on the win if something does occur. But I'd much rather take Cascadian to place than Fangirl to win going into a race like this. I think uh, he's ready for another big preparation. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm with Fangill. Uh, I'm going to stick fat. Short enough price, as you said, boys, uh, for everything that you said. Um, but, gee whiz, she was, uh, yeah, as I said, devastating first up for mine. Absolutely blew my I've chucked in Lindemann as a bit of value. Uh, a bit of Chris Waller polish. Second up stats. That's the thing that got me four goes, two wins, and a placing. Uh, that'll do me, but has not won at uh, Ramwick. That's the only concern from seven goes. But uh, Lindemann, just at a little bit of a price, might be the one that's uh, storming home. Now, listen, what else? What else are we backing around the country, boys? This is the this is where heroes are created. Let's be honest. Uh, this is where the big stuff happens. I'm going to come back to you first, Adam McGrath. Uh, what else do you like this weekend, mate? Your best bet, and we want. We want a best roughy. We'll do your best bet first, mate. Then we're going to do our best roughy. Um, we'll multi him up, uh, the three of our best bets, and see what we can come up with. Okay. Well, if this is our multi one, then I'm sticking with Cascadian for both. So my best bet will be Cascadian to place, and my best roughy will be Cascadian to win for our multis there, hoping the, the old boy doesn't let us down. Love it. Absolutely love it. Shane Anderson. Um, my best bet is at Flemington. Uh, race for number one, Bold Bastille. Um, pretty keen on um, Bold Bastille. I actually thought was uh, going to be 
my Blue Diamond selection, but she didn't get there after uh, failing in the Blue Diamond prelude where she pulled up with uh, minor lameness after leading on that occasion. Um, her debut run at the, the Valley in the spring was outstanding. I think back now to 1,000 metres for a filly, if there were any proper issues with her, I don't think they'd be pressing on with her. But based on what I saw in the spring, I think she's right up there as an elite two-year-old. So I'm happy to be with her. I'm pretty keen on her bold Bastille uh, race four, number one. Um, and my Ruffy, uh, I'm happy to go um, in the very elegant um, with Buckaroo, um, probably as a place perspective in this, um, you know, getting $16 a win. But I certainly think it's a great place chance uh, in that group one. So they're the two I'm most keen on. Yeah, love it, boys. I'm going to go back to Flemington too. Race five, number five, a horse called Moesha uh, at about $4.40. Peter Moody uh, and Catherine Coleman, of course. Uh, I worked at Hamilton this day, and uh, Moody's given a nice little push that uh, this horse got some ability. Go and have a look at the first up run. Uh, it's a get-back, charge-home kind of uh, filly, but uh, I reckon might have found a nice race on Saturday. And my best value comes up in the final event at Flemington. bit of local, uh, not local knowledge, but I'm just going to stick with the locals here in Warrnambool. Race 10, horse number 12, Thunder Point. Um, so named after a little icon up a, a beach, uh, just on the outskirts of Warrnambool, Thunder Point. Won its last couple. And uh, I reckon the penny's dropped here. Drops back to the 1,400 metres. Uh, and I reckon the Simon Wild team's going pretty well at the moment. So at about 14 or 15 to 1, uh, that is it. But if you multi our best bets, if you multi our best bets up on the Palmer Bet app, uh, 27.79. For the three of our best bets, I don't even want to think about our best value and our roughie, uh, what that's going to mold you up to, but it's going to be something big as well. And there might be some each way uh, parlays or something like that the team at Palmer Bet will put together for us there as well, boys. But uh, look, all in all, it is going to be a wonderful weekend of racing. And uh, the next few weeks, to be honest, it's going to be fantastic. And I'm looking forward to it, uh, as I know you two are as well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Matty, I've got one around the grounds as well. I know we're doing our multi a little bit different than our best and our roughy. Got one at Ascot for you as well. So I know we like to finish out there out west. Uh, the race book's not even now yet. We're not even, we don't even have acceptances completely finished and jockey's name, but we're going race six, number seven, <laughs> Shaka Zulu each way out there at Ascot. Drawn barrier one. Joey has a party in the saddle. Got held up pretty badly last start. So hopefully uh, he can get out and flash home at Ascot for us. Love it, mate. You are the king of the west. Anything else from you, Shano? Yeah, quite keen. The opening race at Flemington, Tin Tuki, uh, mare down from Sydney for the Widup Yard. Craig Williams takes a ride. I've liked her three runs so far. She won first up, two good runner-up placings. Uh, she's rock-hard fit, and I think um, the straight track should suit her. So Tin Tuki in the opening race at Flemington, you'll know my mood swings on social media <laughs> after that first race, whether it's a good day or not, but uh, I think she's going to be very hard to beat. Uh, it's going to be a ripper. Don't worry about that. Hey, boys, a pleasure to be with you again. Download that Palmerbet app. Get involved. It's really simple to navigate through, and there's plenty of offers uh, and options in there as well. So uh, as we always say, gamble responsibly and always think about what you're really gambling with. Gents, I look forward to catching up same time next week. Great to be back with you, boys. Yeah, same here. And good luck with the uh, the NRL this weekend. Adam, hopefully you survive like you did through Super Bowl. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> See you, boys. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.